0: This is Marginalia, a production of KMUW Wichita. Marginalia, notes in the margin of a
1: book. Notes, commentary, and similar material written in the margin of a book. Comments and notes that are incidental incidental. or additional additional. additional. to the main topic
0: in the margin of a book. 258 weeks, that number has probably changed since I spoke with author Jennifer Weiner, but at the time of this interview, 258 weeks was the amount of time that her books had been on the New York Times bestseller list. That makes up nearly a quarter of her entire career that began 20 years ago with her debut, Good in Bed. Her latest book is That Summer, the second book in what she is calling her Beach Trilogy. It's a beach read, but not in the traditional sense, as it tackles sexual assault and the Me Too movement. I recently spoke with Jennifer Weiner about all the things. I'm Beth Golay, this is Marginelia, and here's our conversation. I've been watching your Twitter feed recently because I knew you had this book coming out and that I would be talking to you, and so I happened to see the news about your mother, and I'm so sorry for your loss. Oh, thank you, yeah. You know, I was reading her obituary, and I'm actually still smiling at this line. She never left a book club book unfinished. Do you take after your mom in that regard?
1: Um, she was a much more literary reader than I was. And I think I'm a little more gentle with myself about if there's something that's just not doing it for me, like I will fail. <laughs> My mother did not fail. She, I mean, we were going through her stuff and I found like a notebook that had a list of every book, of book she'd read from like 2006 to through 2021. And she finished
0: them all. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So um, I want to talk about your book. So your latest novel was just released on May 11th, and I don't want to spoil anything for fans who haven't had a chance to finish it. So can you give us a brief, spoiler-free overview
1: of that summer? Yes. So that summer is the story of two women. There's Daisy, who is a housewife in the suburbs of Philadelphia. She has a beautiful home. She has a teenage daughter who kind of can't stand her. She's got a... (laughs) functional marriage. She's got a business. She's got the life that she was supposed to want. And she still has these feelings of kind of, is this all there is? And why don't I feel a little happier? And she starts getting emails that were meant for this woman named Diana, whose email address turns out to be like one punctuation mark away from hers. And Diana is a very different kind of woman. She's very glamorous. She's very sophisticated. She's a She travels the world. Eventually, she reaches out to Daisy to apologize and basically say, I'm sorry, you keep getting my emails. And Daisy writes back, and they meet up for drinks and they become friends. And as this beautiful friendship is getting off the ground, we're flashing back to Diana's history. And we start to realize that this accidental meeting was not as accidental as we thought, and that these women have a piece of shared history in common. And it's a story about, um, about damage, about navigating your history, about the power of friendship, and about what does justice look like.
0: And, you know, this book revolves around an instance of sexual assault. A lot of early reviews mention the Me Too movement. But I was reading your interview with the Philadelphia Inquirer that you said you had your daughter in mind when you wrote this and the fact that she was going to college in the fall. And in that interview you said with you know, regard to preparing her, I think I've done my best, but I think the world is the world, and it's still a place where young women get chewed up and spit out regularly. I hope I've taught my daughter everything that she needs. I hope that she's self-possessed enough and self-aware enough to navigate the obstacles that she'll have to navigate. But I've thought a lot about why. Why are they all still there? So you've thought a lot about why. Have you come up with any answers? I mean, what messages do we need to be giving to our daughters and our sons?
1: Yeah, I, I wow. I think about those things all the time. And I think about sort of the, the culture of entitlement and how there are still young men and they, they go to certain boarding schools, they go to fancy colleges, and they are told all of their lives that anything you want is yours and that women and young and girls are just one more thing that you get to have and we still give boys that message and i think it's really toxic and i think that when these boys transgress we still make excuses for them i mean i'm thinking about the the rape case in stanford and how that boy was the stanford swimmer and everyone was talking about you know his bright Future, His athletic talent, his brilliant career that had been derailed. And it felt like really nobody was talking about the fact that he had assaulted somebody. And I thought that was, um, as much as the whole Brett Kavanaugh mess, I thought that was like so indicative of how we as a culture still treat our young men. Yeah. And now, you know,
0: unfortunately, I'm pivoting to something light right now. (laughs) So uh, do you like to cook? Not to worry. (laughs) Well, we have such a short time together, so I apologize. Uh, So do you like to cook? And I'm asking because one of your characters, Daisy, is an amazing cook. And I was wondering about the research that you do in preparation for for your writing. How well do you know your characters?
1: Well, I start off by hearing their voices, and they start speaking up in my head. And I have to figure out who they are what they want because every good character has to want something and then how i get them there how i get them to the thing that they want with daisy i knew that i wanted i wanted this book to have a lot of pleasure in it i wanted it to have a lot of escapism and a lot of really delicious things whether that was the beachy setting or all of the wonderful stuff that daisy is cooking so I, I made her cook, and I will tell you that I researched her recipes extensively. My family <laughs> ate a lot of roast chicken in the making of this book. Um, you know. But I, I always want there to be that piece of my book because I think they do deal with some like, fairly weighty topics and some pretty serious issues. And so I always want there to be some, some of that deliciousness. So um, That Summer,
0: it can be read as a standalone novel, which I apologize is how I read it, but it's the second
1: of a trilogy, yes? Well, it's not exactly a sequel. It's. It's. You're right. I'm writing three books that I'm thinking of as my Cape Cod trilogy. They're all set on the Cape. They all happen within the same fictional universe, but you can absolutely read them separately. You don't need to have read Big Summer to understand that summer. And so what's after that summer?
0: What's the third one?
1: What's After That Summer is the last. <laughs> summer which is going to be um you know like i said it's the third book of this trilogy it's set on the Cape. it's the house that's appeared in the first two books and the family that owns the house is finally getting ready to sell it and say goodbye and they gather the family one last time one final time and um hilarity ensues i hope
0: (laughs) Okay, so I heard you say on on Good Morning America just this morning that you took a class from Toni Morrison in college. I did. And she used to say, if there's a book that you need to read and it's not on the shelf, you've got to write it. What gaps do you see on the shelves today?
1: You know, I still feel, you know, when I wrote my first book, these Many Years Ago, like there really were not plus-size characters getting happy endings. There were plus size best friends who were there for comic relief, and there were plus size characters who would, like, lose 100 pounds and then get their happy endings. That's improved somewhat. I feel like, especially now in romance, which is always, I think, the first genre to, to become inclusive of whether it's race or ethnicity or size or age in terms of who gets to be the heroine of the story, who gets to be the main character— I still think we've got a ways to go with diversity. Um, Publishing is still overwhelmingly white, and I think that that's reflected in what you see on the shelves. And I believe that as people start paying more attention, as they become more aware, and as they commit more to letting all kinds of people tell their stories, I hope those gaps will fill themselves in.
0: So you mentioned that your your debut book was published 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. and I recently learned that your books have been on the New York Times bestseller list for 258 weeks, nearly five years of your 20-year career. And, you know, your first book was Good in Bed, and it has over 2 million copies in print, and it has been picked up by HBO Max with Mindy Kaling producing and starring in an original movie. And, you know, collectively, all of your books, you have over 15 million books in print, if you could go back to 2001 and give any advice to your 31-year-old self, what would it be?
1: Oh, that is a great question. Um, I would tell her not to pack so many clothes for a book tour because, <laughs> honestly, all I can remember from those first couple of years is, like, dragging, like, the heaviest suitcase in the world through the airport, um, you know, but I guess that I would, I would tell her um, just to enjoy the ride that she was going to get to do the thing that she loved the most and make her living at it and wake up every day and get to write. And I would tell her like, you're going to get your happy ending.
0: Now, we have just a few minutes left, and I I am curious with this next question. You know, in addition to your numerous novels, you also write short stories. So do you know their stories when you start them, or do you know your novels are novels when you start them? How do you know, you know, or how do you decide which is going to be a short story and which is going to be a novel?
1: Yeah, wow. I mean, I've started kind of writing horror short stories, and— for whatever reason, that form seems to lend itself to horror really well. Like, you, you, get, you, know, you get in, you get out, you scare the pants off people, hopefully. <laughs> and I feel like short stories are really the, the delivery device for those kinds of um, characters and those kinds of plots. With novels, I guess it's like I listen to the character's voice in my head. I figure out who she is, and I figure out what she wants because every character has to want something and then how I'm going to get her there. And usually it's going to take a while. I I feel like if I get a really good character and she really wants something or really wants to go somewhere or be somebody different, that is a novel-sized story for the most part.
0: Now, finally, last question. I, I bend over backwards to not spoil anything, but is there anything you want to talk about in last summer that I didn't ask?
1: I want readers to read that summer and be entertained. I want them to to feel that sense of like, I'm on a beach, I'm someplace wonderful, there's these these wonderful food descriptions, there's this couple that falls in love. I want the book to be a pleasurable experience, but I also want women to think about the world and where we are and where maybe we still need to go in order for this to be the kind of place we wanna leave our daughters.
0: That was Jennifer Weiner, author of the novel That Summer, which was published by Atria Books. Thanks for joining us for Marginalia. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. Marginalia was produced at KMUW Wichita. Our engineers are Mark Statzer and Torin Anderson. Our editor is Luann Stevens, and our producer is Haley Krausen. This is Marginalia, and for KMUW, I'm Beth Golay.